This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's 1948 on Power Business Life. We said it's Budget Week. And of course, one of the huge things that we're anticipating, or maybe some people who are convinced it won't happen, is an announcement on uh, the NHI. And uh, FTI Consulting uh, has gone on uh, to really give us some more uh, information about that research showing uh, the affordability issue, right? Because that's what people have been saying. It's just going to cost too much money. We can't afford it. Of course, it's other things. But the issue of the fact that it's supposed to be a funding mechanism that doesn't fully address the issue of funding and many people also wanting to know how much would it cost me uh, you know to be able to uh, be a part of the NHI not that I think it would be an option for too many people but research into the affordability of the NHI uh, shows that every formerly employed South African would need to fork out 1,500 rand a month through a payroll tax to meet uh, you know how much the Department of Health says they need and Dr. Paula Armstrong who's director at FTI Consulting joins us uh, to unpack this. Uh, Dr. Armstrong, thank you for your time. Good evening. Hi, Nolitando. Good evening to your listeners. Thanks for having me. Well, Dr. Armstrong, uh, many people in South Africa can't afford, uh, who work, can't afford medical aid. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, it, it's evidence of the fact that people just don't have uh, extra money lying around. But of course, this NHI money needs to come from somewhere. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's important just to contextualize the mm. figures that have come through in our research this is not an official costing of the NHI. We haven't got an official costing of the NHI. What we have used is an estimate published by the uh, Department of Health in December of 2022 on the amount of money that could be redirected from medical scheme premiums towards the NHI fund. But you make a very good point that many employed people in South Africa cannot afford to access private health care or access medical scheme premiums. And this is a very real problem in the country. Um, it's unclear that the NHI will realistically address that problem. I must also ask you about uh, the issue of um, the, the, the amounts that you've seen coming out of government here. There seems to be a lot of amounts flying around, ranging from 300 billion rand a year uh, to 500 billion rand a year, Dr. Armstrong. Uh, just keen to get your uh, estimates here. Which number are they based on? What's the ballpark figure here? So it's very unclear, Nolitando, because the last time that we've seen an official costing of the NHI uh, was published in the Green Paper in 2010 and 2011. We've seen updates in the White Paper. Both White Papers reference those figures. But since then, we haven't seen an official costing of what the NHI is likely to cost. Now, the Department of Health is very prudently taking the approach of, well, it will cost what it will cost and we will roll it out at a rate that is affordable to the tax base. And this is commendable. It's a very uh, it's a very responsible position to take. But what we are working with in this country is a small and decreasing tax base. It's a tax base under a lot of pressure, facing significant CPI rises. Um, and as you rightly say, there are many taxpayers in the country who cannot afford to belong to something like a medical scheme. So... In terms of how we're going to fund it, first of all, we're not sure what the cost will be. The Department of Health argues that it's not important to know that at the outset. I suspect many macroeconomists and many budgetary experts will tell you that it is absolutely crucial to understand what a system like this will cost the fiscus. And second of all, we simply do not have 
the tax base to be able to raise the revenue. So I think we are sitting in a situation in the country where we have very low levels of access to quality health care, but the system that is on the table in the form of what's in the NHI bill doesn't seem to be a feasible approach to address those needs. There are alternatives. There are alternatives which are almost immediately available and which don't have an impact on taxation. So it would be the implementation of, for example, low-cost benefit options. So there are options which haven't been sufficiently explored. I have uh, heard the uh, health minister speak about this being an issue of pooling funds. And I'm very keen to get your thoughts on this issue of uh, pooling funds uh, here. You know, um, the money, uh, from what we know to date, with all the documents that have been made uh, publicly available to us, uh, Dr. Paula, do we know what that would do? We would pull this money, would put it, would have it in a tiki of sorts. Then what? You know, would it build more hospitals? Would it hire more nurses? What would that money do? Because, of course, that can also help us estimate if the amounts that are flying around are nearly um, as accurate as uh, they say? It's a very good question. And this is exactly, if you read the preamble to the NHI bill, this is exactly what the NHI bill seeks to solve, is the pooling of funds. So it seeks to address the fragmentation of risk pools in South Africa, which essentially means putting all of the money into one pot. That pot of money will be used to purchase healthcare services for the entire population, but any um, any infrastructure upgrades will have to be made by the hospitals themselves. So it sets up what we call a purchaser-provider split. It means that the person or the institution purchasing healthcare is separate to the institution providing it, which is different to how the public sector runs at the moment. So it creates, and I think that's a very good thing, um, and certainly it's it's well accepted in, in, in healthcare policy circles that a purchaser-provider split is, is a very good thing because it does create the incentive for efficiency. So the best providers will be the people, will be the providers who get the most patients. So in that sense, the NHI is approaching it from the, the, the correct angle. However, pooling all of the funds and putting the entire onus of care for the entire population on the public sector where currently you have 16% of the population who are able to fund themselves, creates significant burden on that NHI fund. There are different ways to do it, where you can pull part of the population who aren't currently covered by medical schemes into medical schemes in that way, for example, or into low-cost benefit options. And that way you alleviate the pressure on the public sector rather than the opposite of throwing the entire population into the public sector to be funded by the NHI fund for a very small tax base which cannot necessarily afford um, to raise the funds necessary for an NHI as a single payer. One of the most prudent amounts out there for how much this would cost is about 200 uh, a billion rand uh, a year, Dr. Armstrong. So maybe let's talk about where this money could come from. If it didn't come from uh, taxing people who are formerly employed by 1,500 rand a month, could it come from other taxes? And would those taxes have to change? So, well, this is what's in the NHI bill. The NHI bill suggests that the money will be raised via the tax base. So the, so the Department of Health has... has um, put into the public domain in December 2022 a detailed 
um, list of where that revenue might come from. So it'd be, you know, it's, uh, it's for example, sources like redirecting provincial revenue, uh, revenue from provincial health funds into the NHI fund. Um, a lot of it comes from uh, taxation of um, medical scheme members, um, replacing medical scheme premiums going into the NHI fund. An important source which hasn't, um, which hasn't received the attention that we expected is government subsidization of medical schemes. So we're talking about the gems of the world, we're talking about POLMED, PARMED, all of the medical schemes servicing public sector employees. The Department of Health has identified those subsidies as an amount that may be moved across early to the NHI fund. So these are some of the streams of revenue that have been identified. I think where the problem comes in is that very little has been done in terms of a thorough socioeconomic impact assessment to understand what the effect of this will be, for example, of moving government subsidization of medical schemes. What will it mean for those medical schemes? Will they be able to continue as medical schemes to provide services for their beneficiaries in the interim period? So there's been very little um, thorough analysis of what these revenue streams will mean. And this is where we're calling on a more prudent, uh, uh, calling for a more prudent approach in terms of understanding what the technical and financial implications of the NHI as a single payer system might be. Well, that's it, Paula. We don't have much time. Uh, do we expect the finance minister to say anything about NHI uh, on Wednesday? Any announcements? It's very unclear at this stage. Um, I don't think so. I think uh, the Treasury has got very firm ideas on how uh, fiscal funds should be spent, and it doesn't seem as if, as if NHI is a priority for the National Treasury at present. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us and also uh, you know, uh, giving us insights into this research. It's a great pleasure. Thank w- you for having me. Wonderful. That was Dr. Paula Armstrong, Senior Director at FTI Consulting. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.